0: In episode 38, we discussed the week that was, our views on college and pro sports, the initials game, and a brand new topic in Fix Your Eyes. Welcome to Six in the Mix, a band of brothers talking faith, family, sports, and politics. Join us on our journey. All right, welcome to episode 38 of Six in the Mix. Uh, As always, please drop uh, comments and topic suggestions on our Facebook page, uh, Six in the Mix podcast, or on our Twitter page at Six in the Mix pod. Uh, Also find the videos on YouTube. I think uh, they're they're a lot uh, better even than just the audio. Uh, So if you want to catch some video on Facebook or YouTube. And if you do enjoy the podcast, why not share it with some friends uh, like like our friend Nancy McGuire did uh she shared uh, episode 37 and uh, and uh, that's great so kind of share and share and share like we would uh, we would certainly love that all right gentlemen uh, let's get into the week that was okay and we're going to start off in the you can't make this up category and here <laughs> we
1: go. A little too ironic. and yeah i really do think
0: all right, so what you see here is a bunch of happy people, um, and they, uh, they're the Democrats from Texas who yeah, decided to uh, peace out to Texas and uh, didn't want to uh, vote on a bill that they thought was Jim Crow era, uh, which is crazy from a voting side. Uh, but they flew maskless to uh, Washington, D.C., and uh, three of them tested positive for COVID, uh what are your guys thoughts on this
2: high five giving that guy high five high five (laughs) well your your song was perfect matt it is ironic isn't it don't you think oh
0: it's 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 just it's so yeah it's there's so much irony woven through there in that what's your guys take like if you don't if you can't beat them then you just bail
3: well, it's, it's pretty clear to me they weren't masking. I mean, they get COVID, they're not masking, clearly. I, that's the situation here. But I, I mean, if you're going to up and leave and, you know, lollygag around the, the national capital, yeah, you're, you're asking for trouble. And you said they're happy people. Do you think they were singing that song? We are happy people, praise the Lord. <laughs> that's what I want to know.
0: Did you see the one picture in the bus? They had a whole uh, twelve or twenty four pack of Miller Lights, so they were gonna get happy if they weren't happy. Oh, like, <laughs>
1: yeah. oh yeah, I, I, didn't uh, see oh, I they, did see that. But they see that. What Special. song? They
3: were singing a song in D.C. What song were they singing? Does did anybody hear that song? They actually uh, were singing.
1: Yeah, was no, Something like "We Will Overcome" or something like yeah, that.
3: Yeah, we will overcome. <laughs> That's it.
2: That was so well, awful. The worst rendition I, ever. I, I have a legit question. Okay. They get three tested positive for COVID. Were those three unvaccinated? I mean, <laughs> they were, they were vaccinated. Was, they had the to vaccinate. follow, they follow this the science, whole group Jeremy. Yep, is vaccinated, all vaccinated, right? Yep, okay, hundred percent. Yep. All right, just just clearing some things up. You don't know Fauci's right. That's why we got a
0: mask. It's just there's just no protection. Been I got done. three I'm, strikes.
1: I have four friends who uh, <laughs> received the vaccine and got COVID this week.
3: wow oh no i bet bet it's very mild right down very mild
1: (laughs) they can't smell they can't taste this is worse than the first time they had it
0: (laughs) oh my goodness they (laughs) had it before they were vaccinated and they got it again and got it again yes this
1: has
2: to be the Johansson and Johansson version
0: Yeah, that's
3: right.
1: Is it, Did is, they, it, is it Johnson? I Johnson don't know. Jab? I don't know. No, they didn't get. I don't think they got that jab. I think they got the uh, the double jab. Okay, I I think they got so the, the Moderna. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they, it's it's a, it's, a sugar,
3: it's a sugar shot. <laughs> <laughs> I, that is just
1: unreal. It is unreal. Yeah, they were they they are, and they're you know they. It's not like they weren't uh, keeping. You know, they weren't they were still masking at some places they were still being careful uh overly careful in my mind um you know compared to me but i they were just like this is ridiculous this what what good is this vaccine doing i am they wow. were they were furious they were really upset and uh um they're like i don't believe anything but and i don't believe anything anymore you know they just don't know what to believe they're just sure yeah you're confused you have no
2: yeah what, what's the baseline anymore yeah yeah now the bat va- now, I mean, just to be to be fair though, the
0: vaccine didn't guarantee that you wouldn't get it. Right. It, it right. does say you should get less symptoms less or less, less chances yes. being yes. severe. So yeah.
1: Yeah, I was I was playing I was playing online uh was it Friday night with, with two of them, uh and they were just whining and complaining of how sick they were. It was hilarious, and I was just yeah. laughing at them and uh just and it was just funny they were just like oh i can't wait to go to bed i gotta get nyquil and just pass out i'm so sick (laughs) It was just like oh my word yeah but that was the they they could not smell or taste and uh that would they that was the first time they experienced it yeah the second time through so wow okay
3: here's the issue here's my concern right now It, it sounds like they probably because they had antibodies before and were vaccinated, my guess is this was the Delta variant. But the problem is, I've heard the Delta variant is presenting itself in a different way. Um, before, when you got COVID, yeah, that was a typical sign if you lost your smell and taste. But now they're saying it's a headache, runny nose, sore throat, sneezing. I think are the are the four main signs. So it it almost doesn't jive.
1: I don't know. Yeah. I think I had the Delta variant a couple of weeks ago. Did That's you? So, yeah. I mean, Jen and I both, uh, we had, we had the fever, chills, sneezing, cough, sore throat type thing going on. And it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was a couple weeks, but it was, you know, we got through it. It wasn't, we didn't miss any work or anything like that, but. Okay. But I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows?
2: Wow. But, Warp speed 2.0. Let's get another Vax out there. That's yeah. it. Johnson and Johnson has but, another shot. Let's go.
1: Yeah. But now we're the unvaccinated are the reason for the Delta variant. Now that's what I'm starting to hear. Yes. But we are the reason for the deaths and, and things right. like that. We aren't to blame now. So, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. This, that actually leads into the, uh, the second uh, part of the week that was, I want to just play a couple clips for you because what's interesting is, you know, leading into the you know, election. You saw kind of, you know, I guess what we would uh, call is kind of like a teaming up of big tech and government to help shape the election, suppress what they didn't want to hear. But now the the, the script has flipped and I kind of want to get your guys' thoughts on this. So uh, check out these two clips and then, uh, then we'll chat about it.
2: On COVID misinformation, on COVID misinformation, what's your message to platforms like Facebook?
1: They're killing people. I mean, it really... Well, look. The only pandemic we have is among the unvaccinated,
2: and that's and, and they're killing people.
0: I will tell you that these are people who are sharing information on public platforms on Facebook. Information that is traveling is inaccurate. Our biggest concern here, and I frankly think it should be your biggest concern, is the number of people who are dying around the country because they're getting misinformation that is leading them to not take a vaccine. Young people, old people, kids, children. Interesting take now that you know, now that big tech's not apparently doing what... Uh, they want them to do. They're turning on them, and Facebook's like, "Wait a sec, we're we're we're, we're doing." It. And then, in the same sense, I don't know if you saw what uh, Jen Psaki said. They they're finding people and they're silencing people they don't agree with. They're telling Facebook who they need to censor too, which is just this. It's so maddening. I, what are your what's what's your guy's take on
2: Biden's approach and, and the White House's approach? Well, I I just see so many assaults on our freedoms. I mean, just bottom line, it's, it's assaulting the freedoms that we have enjoyed. And really we haven't seen many um, tests of this, but for whatever reason, this test is going overboard and we're seeing all of these things just dismantle. I can't, I, it just is unfathomable to me. You know, I always look at maybe my parents' generation or the generation of my grandparents, and they say, you know, this world is changing. It's not the same anymore. And it just is really going fast. I just think we're in hyperspeed change. I mean, everything is going down the tubes so quickly that we can't even keep up with the news. What's said one day is changed the next and then it's, you know, it's completely garbled and spit out in a whole bunch of different platforms, if you will. And at some point, are the tech giants going to have to get together and really just decide, okay, what are we going to let through and what are we not? And I assume that some of that's happening already just because of the things that we've seen. I cannot un- understand and believe that I am seeing this in my lifetime. It's just, it's unfathomable to me. And, you know, people use the word unprecedented and I've tried not to use that term. I, I, I'm close to using it because it is, it's just un- <laughs> unbelievable.
3: Yeah, it's, it's very frightening in the fact that you've got um, the state or government really we organizing and coordinating with these, this is the public square, right? I mean, social media is the public square and they are dictating what is good or what is bad, what is acceptable, what is unacceptable. And the problem is we've heard, heard this in the last few weeks, we're finding out things that are true now that were called false several months ago. So the only way you get to credible, reliable truth is more conversation, not less. I mean, I'm I'm pro vaccine, but um, I don't want to tell people who are anti vaccine to say you have no right to talk. I, I, if they can prove to me their case is right, let them be heard. Um, so y- you've got to be able to debate these things, and that's why we have a First Amendment. I think.
1: Yeah. As soon as as soon as the uh, government comes in and starts regulating uh, big tech on on what they can do and not do, uh, what taxes they can uh, uh, levy and things like that and make life difficult for big tech. Now they're weaponizing them so that they, you know, obviously big tech doesn't face these things. I mean, they hold, the, the government holds this over them, no doubt. So they have no, they have no option but to uh, cooperate. And uh, not, that, not that I don't think they're going to have to twist their arm to cooperate, uh, but that's what you're seeing now. You're seeing the government weaponize uh, a private company. Well, you know that's that's not freedom, folks. That's yeah. that's tyranny. Um, right. So, uh, what well, it's yeah, and like Jeremy said, it's like warp speed. You cannot, you just can't keep up with the news. It's like one thing after another. One, I mean, one week. I I'm just like I can't, you know, I'm like last week I was on information overload. I'm still on information overload. I'm still trying to keep up with all the things that are going on. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's it certainly was a wild week and it uh, I think unprecedented is a great uh, great summation of it, Jeremy. Uh buckle up as we as we said back in the day and as we still say, buckle up. It's gonna be uh it's gonna be a wild ride. All right. Well that's whoa, whoa, gonna whoa. wrap it. No wait,
1: no, whoa. wait, wait, wait. Whoa, 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 I got whoa,
0: something. Okay. I got
1: so I we still gotta talk about it. one more week that was.
0: All right. I don't
1: I this has been just burning a hole in my pocket. And I just I just I can't, I gotta I can't I can't I can't pass this one up to, to say it because this this is ridiculous what happened over the weekend. And if you guys are following the uh, the Maricopa County audit in Arizona, um, I mentioned before that these audits are interesting. Now, the Maricopa County audit is a forensic audit. And if, if you don't know what that means, is that means it's just more than just a, uh, let's look at the ballots and review the ballots. This is a deep dive. We're talking, um, you know, heavy sophisticated equipment being used to uh, analyze each of these ballots, um, their authenticity, uh, the type of paper they're using, things like that. I mean, it is uh, probably the most uh,
2: comprehensive I mean, comprehensive it's audit that's ever, it is. It's ever
1: been attempted in, in the United States. And it's, it's amazing to me what's happening in Georgia, what is being reported, um, some of the findings that they're finding there, and yet nobody's talking about it. I think Tucker Carlson- What, double counting votes? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, no one's gonna talk about that. And I think Tucker Carlson, maybe Hannity did it for a couple minutes too, were the only two that I saw mention this things. And what's happening in Maricopa County, they just had, uh, the the audit isn't even completed. I mean, they were, the the state Senate just asked for an update. Um, And if you're wondering why it's so important that it's in Maricopa County in Arizona, let me throw these facts out at you. First of all, Biden was the first Democratic presidential candidate to win Maricopa County in 72 years since Harry Truman in
2: 1948. I was born in Maricopa County. Okay, and that place is truly there's no, there was it it's impossible. Hear it me. is impossible.
3: There has never been a candidate like Biden. So, 80 million. I know uh, exactly
2: how can you How can you top that? Uh, I'll say uh, v- uh, chocolate chip vanilla. Hey.
1: <laughs> A Biden won Maricopa County, it's approximately 60% of the total vote in the state. Okay, yeah. 60%. Okay, what's even worse in 2016, President Trump won Arizona by 91,234. 234 votes, according to CNN. Okay. Trump also beat Hillary in Maricopa County by 44,454 votes. Now the total number of votes in Arizona in 2016 between Trump and Hillary was 2,413,568. There were a total number of votes between Trump and Biden. (laughs) Get this number. It's 3,333,829. The number of votes increased in the state by 920,261. Almost a million more votes, an increase of 40%. Now what the Arizona Senate Audit Overseeing Committee or uh, is is being uh, overseen actually by Senator Warren Peterson, these are the facts that they threw out that they found so far. They have thousands of duplicate ballots with without serial numbers. Yep. They have paper voting secure paper that does not show bleed through meaning that they used just regular copy paper to uh, and use sharpies to, to fill in votes. That's not supposed to happen on a regular on a regular ballot. That's hmm. that's authentic. There were 11,326 votes. Um, or voters not on the voter roll on November 7th. Get that, over 11,000 voters were not enrolled to vote on November 7th and they voted illegally. There were over 74,000 mail-in ballots that were counted then were actually mailed out. (laughs) <laughs> oh no. It's a small number. <laughs> I mean, based on these just based on these forensics, it's like there's no way a county can certify the election is safe. And in fact, Senator uh, Senator Warren is is said, actually said they need to recall the Joe Biden electors for the state of Arizona. He hmm. actually said that before. I mean, this is just based on the preliminary findings. They haven't even completed the forensic audit. And, and it, m- hit the,
2: it hit the news and went, boom. right. No one is what talking blanket
1: about it. Blanket. N- if, if you dare talk about it, you're a racist.
2: Well, and you put it on social media and it's gone, right? You can't even keep it up. They're afraid There's to talk nothing. About
1: it. It's gone. And, and you I think, are out for a month or more. And I think they're afraid to talk about it because if this is factual, which apparently it is, I believe it is then we, what do we have? We have an unstable society that, that we can't rely on a, on a, <laughs> on a political voting process that, that is secure and valid. I mean, we have no faith in our voting process. And if that is shown, and here we have uh, a, uh, re- Republican bills being trying to be pushed through in Texas and, and Georgia and everything, I'm like, like, trying to strengthen these uh, voter laws. And they're being portrayed, I saw on, on BBC, they had a show called BBC Dateline. And I saw a BBC uh, uh, a BBC analyst actually who lives here in, in the United States just flat out lie about the suppression of voter laws that are being proposed by the Republican Party. It was just flat out lies the truth is just completely irrelevant and is completely being blown out of proportion and nobody can call these people on it because they don't want to go down that road they don't want to go down it and it's infuriating i can't believe it yeah, I was listening to,
2: I think it was Michael Kilmid's show, uh, his podcast, shout out to him, but he said, this is interesting because the only thing that Dems do not want to regulate is this, and Right? <laughs> Republicans are, everything else, they are like, we're going to put rule after rule and regulate after regulate, but voting, nah, not going to have any of it, come on, come on, man.
1: <laughs> oh.
2: Don, you're, just... you're spot on. It's burning a hole in a lot of people's pockets. And I'm pretty sure it's not the 80 million that, or, you know, whatever that voted for Biden. That's just, that's insane. It's, it's just crazy. To
1: and now they're, I mean, they're, they're actually, I've heard talk that they're going to start doing these forensic audits now in Wisconsin, possibly. Yep. Looking at that. I mean, but, you know, it's really infuriating to see the Republican party not do a thing. Yeah. Not do a thing. They're just letting it, they they don't want to breach the subject because they know that it's that it's how, how, what a wildfire it, it it is for their probably their their career. I don't know. I mean, it's just infuriating. I'm so sick of the Republican Party. It just well, makes me it. Don. It's that, but it's also the
2: fact that things are moving so quickly that everybody's got eyes on the midterms already, and then the election already. And it's like, do we do we go back and fight this battle, or do we you know move forward with the reforms? And I think they're caught in between. And I think there are a bunch of them that want to do it, but. I, I, you know, sacrificing the career, maybe, but you know what's going to be what's going to be more effective in the in the upcoming elections. So yeah, it's it's a quagmire for sure. What a what a mess. Yeah.
3: Don, I I think I saw Tucker's segment and his focus was on the Fulton County, Fulton County problem, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So I, I've I've just seen little snippets of what you talk about in Arizona. I, I've not read it to the level you have, but you know, interesting point made by our friend, Steve Dace. I heard him say that, okay, it's possible Trump lost the election. It's possible, right? I think we can all agree. It's not like he's the, he doesn't win crowds over all the time. Certainly his, his support base is very loyal, but what they said is, okay, you should expect to see Democrat gains across the country, right? If in general, Um, somebody has become less popular you should see that throughout the country and you really only see those pockets in those key states
1: Mm -hmm. so when I
3: heard that I'm like okay and then we're getting more info about these audits and again what did I say about 10 minutes ago we need more conversation not less right to get to the truth to get to the truth here
1: we can't have the conversation just can't it's it's you're automatically turned off and ignored and yeah it's, well, it's unbelievable.
2: The big, the big scheme of things, whether it's COVID or this, that's what's happening. We're trying to be able to turn off and turn on who we want, when we want, listen to who we want, and have the information go through to only the American people that are listening for that moment, so that we really create a para truth, which is a narrative that's followed by you know one one group or another, and it's disgusting. It's wrong. It's immoral. It's it's just a a complete. Um, a complete embarrassment to the founding fathers of what they did with our constitution with how they set this 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 beautiful work that is stayed as as active and good as as possible up until now where people are are manipulating it but what a terrible embarrassment and just absolutely stepping in and putting it through mud uh, for, the, for the only the gain, really what they're after is the gain for me. That, that's what the bottom line comes down to is how am I going to benefit from it? Here, here's another thing that ticks me off, Don, you talk about a hole burning your pocket. How many of these Dems have, have invested or divested themselves from these companies and all this stuff monetarily before this stuff goes down, whether it's in, in the big tech, whether it's in the healthcare or whatever that's going on and we're talking millions not just a small like you know what I, I put a couple hundred bucks in i if i lose it great if i don't this is millions of dollars they know what's going on in the background they see it they they have two screens one that they give us and one that they abide by and it's a it's a sham
1: it always goes back to the bottom line and that's the money yep i agree it's like always, always that's where you can find it. And it's not power, I don't think, necessarily believe, or 100% power. It's 100% the bottom line, which breeds the power uh, for, or at least the compulsion to to have yeah. more of it.
0: Wow. What a full, what a full week that was segment. Appreciate you, you down bringing that, uh, that uh, the voting Maricopa audits uh, back, back and uh, giving us
2: some perspective there. All right. Going to turn it over to uh, Jeremy for the main topic. All right. So our main topic uh, deals with both college and uh, pro sports and the views that uh, we have and and really how they've evolved um, since 2020 specifically, but really kind of maybe looking back through our lifetimes and what what has happened with them and and I know, Ryan, you set this agenda and this question up, but in my mind, I, I had to look at also the evolution of the high school support and below as well, because so much has changed in that spot as well, because of the stuff that is happening in the higher levels. And uh, so good good thoughts and good question here about our views. Uh, I'm, I'm going to throw this out there, and really, there's no specific... Um, target here. So uh, we could talk money, we could talk about what the, uh, you know, the PR, the public relations, we could talk about specific players and what colleges are doing now with being able to promote themselves. We could talk about the pros and the political stuff or the money or, you know, the holdouts or whatever we want to go here. But but just focus on, you know, what, what has changed in your view since 2020, but maybe since we really started falling in love love with sports and how that has changed. All right, so I'm going to start with Ryan, and then I'm going to go to Matt and then Don. So Ryan, uh, kind of fill us in and give us a little uh, perspective.
3: Yeah, I go back to the mid-80s. That's when I first started following sports. One of my very first sports memories was watching the 85 World Series between the Cardinals and the Royals. And I I still remember Chevy commercials. I can sing Chevy commercials from that World Series. It's pretty funny. (laughs) But you know, ever, I have a brother who got me a love of baseball, I would say at a very young age. So I, of course, became a fan and he didn't want me to cheer for his same team. So I I have these oddball teams. I'm cheering for growing up like the Montreal Expos, the Miami Dolphins, you know what I mean? So it's, it was, it was kind of unique and the Indiana Hoosiers. So in the big 10, even though I lived in Minnesota, I have all these rivalry teams or just what separate from my brother. Right. So he would not let you cheer for a
2: minnesota team
3: yeah he basically assigned me my favorite teams and then so for us to play like indoor nerf basketball it had to be indiana versus minnesota you know so i would wow. be isaiah thomas he'd be trent tucker you know things like that wow. double t <laughs> yeah, double D, right I'm envisioning uh, our next guest might be,
0: uh, yeah, uh, on be and let's talk about it.
2: Add in and we got to hear about this. Yeah, that's not a bad thought.
3: <laughs> um, so anyway, I, I just grew up and uh, my mom is pretty competitive. So I just, I just had this competitive drive in me at a young age. So I, I, I followed sports. I, I, I mean, it was so exciting for me to go to a game whenever we could do that. And <clears throat> it was a big deal to get an autograph or I had Bo Jackson acknowledge me one time in left field at the dome. I thought, man, that, that made my week. That was so cool. Um, but I, I guess over time, as I think back to my perspective on sports as a, as a young kid, and now I look back and, you know, to be honest with you, sports have really dropped in my view, uh, priority wise, um, Really, I don't set aside much time during my week to watch them. The only thing I still like to watch is football. I st- I still find that pretty entertaining and competitive. Um, so I, I don't have cable TV most of the year because of that. Um, and then we look back over the last year, year and a half, with the pandemic and the social justice issues that have evolved. I think that's. I, I think the pandemic made me realize sports isn't as necessary to our culture as I once thought they were. Um, it was always part of our culture and I thought it was a key piece of our culture, but the pandemic made me realize, you know, it may, maybe not, we, we just, we start watching these games with um, no fans in the stands and, you know, it just, it just didn't seem as important. And then, especially when the NBA started um, the social justice, when the players would put the names of these themes on, on the back of their jerseys, you know, they, they have the right to do that and all, but I I just felt like um, that was going in the face of our law enforcement officials a little bit too much and, and just the disrespect from the flag that, that came from all that so that that bothered me with sports over the past year too um, and, and the fact I, I look back and i say okay i followed sports for what 30 36 years roughly and if you include all of my favorite teams each year i have had one team win a championship in that time and i'm talking professional basketball professional football professional baseball and college basketball the only team that I have cheered for that has won a title were the 1987 Indiana Hoosiers with Steve Alford and Keith Smart and Dean Garrett that's that's pathetic I mean I guess the question I'm asking myself is why do I even care about sports at this point I mean I clearly I pick losers and your brother
2: picked you losers
3: that's true i mean i i I mean even in 1994 the year i graduated from high school my montreal expos were cruising toward a world series and what happened the strike it shut baseball down in august (laughs) of 1994 i mean i'm this is my senior year of high school i'm totally focused on the expos finally getting to a world series because you guys got to remember i know the twins won two world series but they weren't my favorite team at the time I I had a different favorite team. So it's just been, it's just been a debacle. And as much as I've, I've enjoyed playing sports which, you know, you guys have seen it's brought out the best and worst in me. um, I just, this last year and a half really has, I think, shined a brighter light on um, lessening the priority of sports, at least, at least in my life um, and maybe, maybe in the lives of others too. Thoughts, Ryan. I appreciate that.
0: Uh, Matt, how about you? Yeah, I kind of took uh, this question maybe more from a short term. I didn't go all the way back to yeah. when I was younger, but you know, how has it evolved since you know maybe the pandemic came along? And and I think I think for me, um, you saw you saw two things. Well, you've seen two things. One thing has been going on for a long time, and just and we kind of mentioned this in the week that was, but the dollar drives so much, and I, and I think it you know there's always you know entrepreneurs that you know, saw sports and it it got to be bigger and, Hey, we can make money. We can sell merchandise, but man, it is, it has come sometimes to be so hard to watch some of your favorite teams, just to be able as a fan, watch the game, unless you have a a certain Fox or Comcast or Spectrum or whatever, you have to have this and, Oh, sorry, we, we made a decision in the boardroom. So now this is, this is not going to be shown. And it's like, we're missing, we're kind of missing the whole point of it. So it's certainly about the dollar. But then, you know, it's also been like, I think the sports teams and owners have been wrestling with how do we work through kind of what we were talking about in the week that was and all this craziness going on. How do we support the spectrum of political views and still try to get our messaging across and still attempt to be relevant? And a lot of the athletes tend to be a bit more liberal in their perspective. So we don't want to shun them at all. And maybe some of the owners maybe might be more conservative. And it, I think they're all just trying to figure it out. Um, you know, who knows uh, when it comes to that. But for me, you know, I, you know, the pandemic took a lot of, um, you know, because we you know, we never stopped working at our factory. So I remember, I still remember when there was like nothing sports wise. And that was always something, you know, not living in Minnesota, being able to watch a Minnesota team is w- w- was kind of enjoyable. And so, even though it was empty in the stadium, you know, watching it for me was, I I still remember the games when the twins started playing, when MLB started back up for me, that was, it was almost similar. Not, maybe not quite, but after nine 11, they took that week off and then we played baseball and we got back to it. And that there, there was just like a, almost like a, Hey, we can, we're going to, we're going to figure this out. It's a hard time. Um, But uh, you know, I also think it's interesting, like the college sports, uh, that ruling now they can, they can make money. And I, for me, I'm a big fan of that. I, I, I think that, uh, the college has made a ton of money and these athletes who are elite athletes had to wait, you know, in some cases one year, but a lot of times three, four years before they could actually make money on their brand. And so now that they can, uh, you know now that they can uh, do that I think I think that's a good thing that's going to help even it out and um, you know just just help them leverage what everybody else in America is doing whether it's YouTube or whatever uh, leveraging their skill set to, to make a little bit of money and to uh, to not have to worry about this fine line and oh am I going to be audited can I play in the tournament um, those types of things so I I, I do like uh, I do I do certainly enjoy that and I, I certainly hope that the uh, sports will, will be less political over time and just get back to the playing of it more traditional. I, again, not a fan of all the goofy rules and the goofy jerseys or anything like that, you know, get back to playing, you know, the long games get, you know, no, no, nobody on second base and extra innings. I know it goes faster and such, but, um, you get back to more traditional ways. I'm not a fan of the extended, uh, football games that are going to be coming. Uh, that's, it should be a 16 game season forever and always, um, but again, I, I do enjoy watching sports, uh, uh, certainly the, my Minnesota teams here in Ohio and, um, hopefully, hopefully I'll continue and my Vikings will win the Super Bowl. It'd be really good. All right, Matt. Good job.
2: Uh, Don, how about you?
1: Yeah, I really wrestle with, uh, with sports now. I, um, grew up with sports from, from the very beginning. I remember, I mean, my, we, we had Viking football on every Sunday night. We never missed a game growing up. Uh, watching it after church, come home, sit down for dinner, and we have a little black and white TV at the corner of the table. We're watching the Vikings game while we're eating. dinner. You know, I mean, it was just it was just part of our uh, part of our family um, baseball. We watched all the baseball. We would go to as many games as we could. I remember going to one of the very first uh, my very first baseball games in the Metrodome when it just opened up and watching a, uh, a chubby little guy in center field battle the battle the uh the dome ceiling and try to catch fly balls and and uh watching kirby Puckett steal home runs i mean it was it was i'll never forget those times and i loved every second of it and um and and then when the timberwolves came to uh came to minnesota you know when they, when they started that club um, I was there at the, in the Metrodome watching those games from the top from the nosebleed seats in the Metrodome, and then uh, on the opening night uh, at the Target Center, I was there with me and my friend uh, Tim Raya, and we were there to watch and play the Atlanta Hawks. It was it was fantastic. It was so much fun. We were so excited. We couldn't believe we were at an NBA game. Um, as opposed to now, I'm just I can. Uh, it, it it pains me to say that I just I just don't have any interest whether it be football. Basketball. Now, more so, uh, I'm interested in baseball, uh, mainly because my daughter, though, my daughter loves baseball. And she also, uh, Elena loves sports. I mean, she loves football and baseball and basketball. She loves watching them all. So, I mean, that's the really, I mean, I still want to watch them for her because those are memories I want to, that I had that I want to be a part of when she grows up as well. Um, but it's just so hard to to swallow these sports and and what they've become these these uh social justice uh pedestals that they that they have become it's just it's just sickening and i've been actually trying to look for alternatives i've been actually getting into european soccer Uh, i'm sure ethan would have be happy to hear so i mean well, uh, I'm I've, I've been joined and watched. I was watched, got into the Premier League. I was trying to choose my team that I was going to follow. I did want to choose, be hasty in choosing a team to follow. I wanted them to to pick me and all sort of thing. I wanted to be a natural and kind of. I think I'm kind of before the uh, beginning of the new Premier League. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm about to announce who I'm going to pledge my allegiance to, uh, but, uh, but but I've just enjoyed watching some of uh, soccer. Who cares about soccer? You know, but I, for whatever reason, it's it's it's. I love the fact that it's a 45 minute half. There's no commercials. you know it's 45 straight minutes with extra time and you just go and then you just watch right then you don't have to be interrupted with some political advertisement or be ticked off at some statement that somebody's making in between uh in between uh plays and things like that it's just fantastic and i've been i absolutely was loved watching the european cup uh, over this, this past couple of weeks uh, watching uh, and then also watching the Copa America Cup, uh, watching Lionel Messi uh, win that—that that was that was fantastic. Yeah, that was that, I mean, watching one of the greatest soccer players of all time. I mean, just being to be able to say that is fun to watch. And so, um, it you know that's my that's where I'm at now. And I just uh, football, I I I am not interested in football. I, even even after hearing, I mean, it probably helps 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 my case when I hear them say that they're going to be even more racially or socially uh inept to you know or make those statements on the field with their with their you know crazy crazy uh advertising that they're gonna they're gonna try to do more of in the nfl that i heard and then with baseball moving the all-star game from atlanta to 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 uh colorado what a what a sick what a sickening display that was and so i'm just I'm just tired of it. I can't watch it. I can't watch the NBA. I'm not woke enough for the NBA to watch. So, um, and it, it helps that the Timberwolves are absolutely horrid anyway. So, (laughs) but, but I'm telling you, you know, there, there is, I'm, I'm always, I'm always hopeful that the Vikings will win a Super Bowl someday. And so I, I still keep them at, at arm's length. It seems like, but I still keep my eye on them because they're the Vikings I've got. I've, i've got too much history don <laughs> not...
3: i'll I'll stop cheering for him. maybe that will help maybe that will help your, your hopes for the future but yeah i i find it hilarious that you mentioned soccer i didn't mention that i i have found myself watching those highlights at night too i'll watch i'll watch like a news thing on youtube uh video and then i'll watch soccer highlights and i've enjoyed watching it never before in my life yeah have i done that
1: i'll tell you what like some... ethan
2: had it right from the it, beginning he, he, he was on to, the world he
1: was on to something i'll tell you that I i watch some of these documentaries. They got some great documentaries that follow kind of like the hard knocks of, of European football with some of these Premier League teams that, that are yeah. that are fun to watch that I got into. And um it's just fun. It's yeah. It, and and yeah, it's a different it's a different culture in Europe. And when and the fan I love seeing the fans come back to European soccer because that to me as part of the spectacle as well, because you talk about passion, there's nothing compared to European. They
2: do not stop
1: cheering. Oh, it's unbelievable. And it's
2: like their cheers are in unison. They've got everything orchestrated. I mean, it is dialed in.
3: Yeah. Super spreader. (laughs) Hey,
2: it's all right. Well, Don, good comments. I I guess what I hear from the three of you is, is in some ways the balloon has popped. It's just it's just not there. And I guess maybe the best analogy that I can come up with is like if you get those happy birthday balloons or whatever, and they're helium and they're up at the ceiling and they're really, you know, they're just full of that lighter air and they zip up to the ceiling. And then after a couple of days, they're just hanging in the room, like in the corner. That just Mm -hmm. seems like today what pro particularly athletics are like, but it's creeping into college and where you find the pure athletics, because of the fact that the money and and some of those things hasn't quite touched that, but I think it will, is where you look in the high school ranks. If you look, if you go to some, some unbelievable competitive high school competitions, that atmosphere in my estimation is just as electric, if not more than some of the pro things. And yeah, they don't have all the refined skills. They're not pro athletes yet, but I'm telling you what, some guy, some kid hits a buzzer beater, you know, from three point or, or does the and one and it's not supposed to go in and it does. And he hits the free throw and all of a sudden they've won the game. I mean, all that kind of stuff. That's what makes like, you know, you get that tingling feeling like this is this, it, you walk, it, it's just part of that. So, so the balloon is just hanging there for many Americans and we're trying to get back at it. The frustrating thing is what's being forced at our at our love of the games if you will is all the mumbo jumbo mess that we got to listen to and and wade through and it just it just takes all the wind out of the sails so for me politics and money for the pro and and probably it's going to be uh, no doubt and i know it has crept into the to the college ranks already but it robs the fan of pure sporting experience Mm -hmm. there's no longer a purity in that competition. Here's one other thing I'll add. Since I have become further and further disengaged from playing athletics and being competitive, my competitive spirit inside of me has also gone away. Not, not completely because I just beat my son and horse again today. And I, I'm, I was feeling good enough that I was gonna take him on one-on-one, but he he of course didn't want to because I was beating him too bad. I still have that drive. And when I get the basketball in my hand and he's in front of me, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna dunk on him. That's in, that's in my heart and mind and my body won't let me do that, but okay. <laughs> but I still have that pure, that that just desire to win. And I'm gonna do it at all costs. I don't have to have fans. I don't have to have money. I don't have to have those things but as my competitive spirit has has kind of disengaged from the actual field or the the court i've found less interest in it just collectively and then on top of all of that you put all this mess it really deflates my balloon of of wanting to to watch any of this because to me this isn't competition to me now we're playing for politics now we're playing for money, which we had before, but it's it's all these other things that we're playing for, for sponsorships, for all these things. And it's all centered on I, the athlete, and yes, they play for teams, but it's less and less pure. So when we bought an, a VCR and a color television, and my dad made that purchase, we made that purchase so that we could watch the Phoenix Suns, I know we're down 3-2, but we're gonna come back, we're gonna be okay. We bought that and he bought it with a special timer so that we could record at a certain time on the normal channels that we all got through the antenna, which we had to adjust to get the right thing so that we could come home and watch sports together as a family and enjoy it. And today we just can't do that anymore. I really wish it was a possibility. I don't see it coming back. What I do see coming back is competitions that happen in our backyards and when families get together and the fun that we can have on the frisbee golf course or golf course or whatever the case may be where we become the competitive spirit again and we put that back into motion and play again and i think that kind of that kind of heart will eventually maybe bleed back into and at some point at some point i don't know when that whole pro um league whether you're talking baseball football basketball doesn't matter what is going to wake up and going to realize we have lost our way terribly lost our way and if that happens before the lord returns we're going to see some great competition again if that doesn't happen it's going to stink and we're going to play some serious you know golf in heaven with those uh <laughs> That millennial, millennial kingdom with him. Cause I, I'm going to be a greenskeeper. I'm going to make sure that things are tight with my lawnmower. We're going to play some sweet golf with Moses and a few other, a uh, few other awesome players. We'll teach Paul, you know, we'll teach the apostle Paul how to play some golf. We'll, we'll do that. Ryan, you're up for that, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I know the apostle
3: Paul at college with us was our best golfer. So uh. that's right. That's true. P- yeah. PB, that's right. Remember, Adam would call him the apostle and we're passing the <laughs> basketball apostle.
2: <Yeah. laughs> that's right. I forgot <laughs> about that. Oh. So, yeah, hey, um, I just
3: I just wanted to add on one thing I think that is also, and I've even heard one of Don's friends uh, named Scott talk about this, you know, with the whole debacle with some of these metropolitan cities and and the lack of police enforcement and safety at issue. There are a lot of people that don't want to go to games anymore no, in, in no. downtown, downtown uh, metropolitan areas. And I, I'm one of them. I'm not excited to go up to Minneapolis middle of the night.
1: Yeah, we will go to a, a night baseball game. I can't take a lead into a night baseball game. I just can't do it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, and if you're saying that, you know that there's one hundred thousand more plus other people, mm-hmm. fans that would, but just aren't going to do it. They're just not going to do it. Hmm. So, yeah, let's bring let's bring the pure back into the sports thing. And uh, maybe uh, maybe we're going to have to revive it just with our own uh, our own competition between each of us and and the people that we're in connection with. But anyway, that closes out our segment of the sports and how they've evolved in 2020. I'm going to throw it back over to Don for the initials game.
0: Speaking of competition. (laughs) Let's go.
1: all right boys we have got a barn burner for you tonight because i don't know if these initials i don't know if you guys are going to get any of these to be honest with you so i'm pretty sure i (laughs) 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 will. this bodes well for me (laughs) all right the initials are m p m p m p Oh boy. All right, here we go. I've got the first item and the next clues are as follows. Clue number one. Has been seen in Australia, Greece, China, England, and Brazil. Clue number two. Hosted the season premiere of Saturday Night Live in 2008. Clue number three. In 2009, sparked a minor controversy appearing in a photo with a bong. Clue number four. Often seen in eyewear.
3: ryan go ahead ryan michael phelps
1: that is correct wow michael phelps okay is he the, so, uh, isn't he the gold, reigning gold medal champion? yes yes yeah, the all-time leader it. and that's mm. and that's in all time like yes. across the all nations right 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. wow that's incredible that's pretty cool you guys are excited for the olympics starting to what next week is that next week yeah, yeah i think it's supposed to but Friday, are they gonna
2: are they gonna happen i mean they've already kicked people out of the village covid i don't it's, know yeah yeah it's it's gonna
1: be weird yeah, it's gonna be weird I,
3: uh, yeah i remember. like the olympics i i just i, love I just too, picked yeah. up i picked up cable just to watch the olympics and football so There
1: you all right. Item on the item number 1 goes to Ryan. Here we go. Item number 2, clue number 1. Often seen on grass. Clue number 2. In a 2000 is a 2005 Woody Allen film. Clue number 3. Frequently seen at Wimbledon. Clue number four. Is not announced by the chair umpire. Matt. Go ahead, Matt. Match point? That is correct. Wow. Good job, sir. Line
0: squirrel finds a nut every now and again. Not <laughs> bad.
1: I thought I thought Ryan was going to jump all over that one.
3: Yeah, be a tennis guy. I know. I mean, come on. I I just when Don mentions movies, I just lose all hope. My mind just goes into this silent mode of fog.
1: That's why I do it. <laughs>
3: Thank you. Thanks, pal.
2: Oh, yeah. Connected to... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's where I lose it. Connected <laughs> to Julia Roberts. <laughs> Connected
1: to... yeah. All right. Item number three. Clue number one. Connected to... Oh, yeah. A sculpture of Devil's Tower in 1977. Clue number two was seen on Nickelodeon's Double Dare. Clue number three connected to a piggy in 1983's A Christmas Story.
2: Hear me. Miss Piggy?
1: I'm afraid that is incorrect. <laughs>
2: said a christmas story no yeah. oh, that's in cleveland, cleveland right that's I the one in cleveland i should in theory know that
1: uh, all right jeremy's out for this uh for this clue or for this item clue number four they are often pressed Clue number five: In Great Britain, they're connected to bangers. Clue number six: A Thanksgiving, a Thanksgiving Ryan. day, mashed potatoes. Go ahead, Ryan. Yep, ah. Did you say mashed potatoes. That would be correct. <laughs> Almost, almost exhausted
2: the, uh, yeah. the cues there, man. Mm. All right.
3: Mm. This is good because Don sometimes he gets frustrated if he can't give enough clues out, so he's <laughs> he's got to be happy.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. All right, IRI rides has got two. Matt's got one. Item number four. Clue number one. appears in an animated Showtime series. Clue number two, connected to Saturday Night Live's Beck Bennett. Clue number three, denies the evolutionary theory. Clue number four, connected to Indiana. Clue number five, appeared in 2018's Fahrenheit 9-11. Clue number six, the 48th vice president of the United States. Cheekies. that's Go her oh Goodness. Uh, uh, Mike Pence. Michael Pence. Yes.
3: Oh, the Saturday Night Live thing. Yeah. Why? Beck Bennett. What is that?
1: Is he's the guy that impersonates him?
2: Yeah. Oh. Okay. Mm. <laughs> you said that that was back in two thousand eight. The Beck Bennett one. The Saturday Night Live.
1: No. I don't know where he got 2008 that was previous one. oh okay previous <laughs> previous line, I think he
2: My just pets. premiered in center life wow all right I should, I should have
3: had that name written down sometimes no i'm things down i know. i'm just
2: i, I can't got one find, thing written
3: down. i can't
1: so do i i've got nothing nothing with mp oh. all right item number five clue number one can speak at least some French. Clue number two, over forty years old. Clue number three, has a strong interest in fashion. Clue number four. Has been seen in a nursery. Clue number five. Often shown doing amateur karate. Ryan. Go ahead, sir.
3: Miss Piggy. No way. That is correct. <laughs> Thanks, S. Hat tip to S.
0: I thought about that too, but I was like, there's no
3: way. I almost chimed in when he said nursery. I almost came in with her then, but the karate, I just started seeing her do that crazy karate stuff.
2: Well, when you said a little French, I thought I should, I should do it. But then the other, the other ones didn't make sense to me. Got it. Yeah. You're welcome, Ryan. You're welcome. I should have an assist column because I'm, I'm good at the assist. I'm starting to count those assists if i get three assists it's worth one point jeremy's <laughs> dropping dimes <laughs> all right
1: here we go either ryan's with four and matt with one there's still a chance
3: <laughs> come on jeremy <laughs> slim. Yeah, chance is slim
1: All right, here we go item number six clue number one connected to london england number two included a one-man band
3: ryan matt
1: oh boy so i had ryan chime in first i I did too go ahead sir
2: uh mary poppins
1: that is correct mary (laughs) poppins wow
2: is that the one you had written down it's the only one i wrote down (laughs)
1: you had him at
0: yep split second later i would have snared it but yeah.
1: well i think that it's that's it ryan uh captures the title there for man. tonight
0: wow yeah well done ryan
1: Christ all man. right jeremy
0: i don't know what we got we gotta <laughs> do to do next time but gotta do something <laughs> Got to definitely all righty Well, we're going to move into Fix Your Eyes and uh, instead of announcing the topic, uh, actually put together a montage and we'll see if you guys can figure out uh, what we are going to be talking about in the montage. Uh, This is, and here's a hint, it's not going to be hard to figure out, but uh, uh, just a little montage to get us into our next uh, Fix Your Eyes topic.
2: Oh, brothers, let's go down, let's go down, come on. Come on, brothers, let's go down,
3: down in the river.
1: Have
2: a little talk with Jesus.
1: Well, well done, sir. Well done. Alright. Well, well done, well done. <laughs> well done. <laughs> well done.
3: <laughs> I'm stunned. <laughs> I'm stunned, Matt. No, no chapman, let us pray.
0: Well, there's guys, I was blown away by the number of songs from every spectrum, every huh. genre, Christian, um, you know, anti-God, like prayer is, is woven throughout the fabric of so many songs. It's for day. I probably could have had a 30 minute montage, no problem. Um, so I, I try, I tried to weave, uh, something that might connect with everybody a little bit, but, uh, it's just interesting how prayer is, uh, is, is something that is sung about, talked about, um, but certainly uh, a topic that I think uh, we, we we need to engage with. And so we'll be doing that probably the course the next, maybe six to nine episodes. We'll we'll see where it goes. Um, but uh, the first uh, first thing tonight uh, is just a simple question, uh, two simple questions: What is prayer, and and how does it relate to sanctification? We just a uh, couple episodes ago got done with a pretty long series on sanctification. Just kind of wanted to uh, link those two a little bit. And so uh, just give you guys a, a chance to answer uh, that question. Again, what is prayer and how does it relate to sanctification? And uh, we'll go in the order of Jeremy, uh, Don, uh, and Ryan. So Jeremy, why don't you start us off?
2: Thoughts on prayer? Thanks, man. I, I look at prayer um, as a, a conversation uh, with um, a father, an Abba father, a dad, and it's a, it's a time to communicate with him the things that are in your, on your heart and mind. And there, there are, and we'll get into this, I'm sure, in the later podcast, there are some prescriptive things that um, give us maybe some ways to pray and uh, some patterns to follow. Uh, but I am always uh, humbled and taken back and often emotional uh, in the fact that I can... I can literally, audibly, or in my heart and in my mind, or can never, can not even utter a word, and the spirit that is within me will intercede on behalf of me. Uh, Romans talks about that. Paul talks about that. Um, a deep groaning that we, we, don't even, we don't even have words for, and, and the spirit will intercede on our behalf. And the fact that I can have a conversation with God and be in his very throne room, and knowing that he hears my words, he hears my heart. Um, and I'll be the first to admit I abuse that um, in, the, in, in not a way that I, I pray too often. I abuse that in the fact that I, I don't probably pray enough uh, or I'm flippant in my prayer. Uh, but we, we won't get into that because those are some other topics. But as it relates to sanctification... Um, I I can't help but think of the fact that the way we communicate our need of salvation is literally through a conversation, whether it's in our heart or in our head or audibly, to God, who we've never seen visibly. And honestly, that is the first prayer that is heard by God um, Mm -hmm. from us. And so it's an amazing thing. Not that he doesn't hear us and know everything that's going on because he's, he orders every man's days. He, he knows all the hair on our head and, and he, he cares for the sparrows, but he also knows when our heart has recognized um, the fact that we are, are sinful and we are in need of a savior in need of repentance. And so when we flesh that out with a conversation and a, and a communication to him, Uh, audibly and often um, in a humble way uh, as, as salvation often comes just crashing down and you feel that burden kind of like pilgrim's progress it just releases that burden from off our back it's it's a prayer and it's talking to God so I believe it's the very first thing we do when we when we receive Christ is the fact that it comes through a prayer and I understand sanctification there's there's all kinds of situational things that that God draws us to himself and leads us I'm not I'm not suggesting that but when we come to that moment we we say to him i need you i am a sinner i need repentance and so we we are able to participate in in the human way of of giving him all of our sin and uh releases that which then he graciously imputes his righteousness on us what a wonderful thing and i'll just add one one other thing i as far as prayer is concerned you know, Paul does a great job of, of giving that to us in, in many of his, his letters to um, the churches. But in Philippians, I was just reminded of this recently in Philippians uh, chapter one, verse three says, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel, which is the idea of they have believed in the same sa- saving truth and the same saving grace um, that that church did, that Paul did, and it's about salvation. And what a what a wonderful thing that we can do to pray and thank the Lord with joy, in all remembrance of all the saints. Though, and I look at you know our friendship um, here with these guys and and others that we have known in the past, and our families, that we can thank God through our prayers for our partnership, not only with friend friendship, but the partnership that's the most important to me with all of you is the fact that we are going to one day be in glory with christ as his bride and be able to fellowship with one another again in a in a way that is going to be unspeakable and so uh i think it's a huge part of our our sanctification process and obviously the progressive sanctification through our life um but i'll leave it there no
0: that's good jeremy good start
2: don
1: so i think of prayer as um one of the greatest communication tools we have ever been given um it is absolutely vital to a christian's uh faith it is vital to their spiritual growth and it is a humbling experience every time um we and i at least for me i enter into that uh time of prayer with god um there is no way i think of a better way for a Christian to, um, to, to be able to cultivate that relationship with Christ than through prayer. I think of it almost like, <laughs> I thought of this uh, uh, example. I remember in 10th grade, no, this is gonna be crazy. This is probably a terrible example. I'll probably You're going to use... throw another
2: teacher under the
1: bus. <laughs> no, I'm gonna throw oh.
2: <laughs> Deb Deb
1: wasn't really thrilled with that. Although, you
2: know, we did get a comment or two. So I'm just sitting and just making it, you know. It no, it's
1: not it. it's not a teacher. I'm gonna okay. go back to a, to an old girlfriend I had in tenth grade. Man, uh her name was Laura Kraft. We dated for two weeks. Now this <laughs> <Solid>. <laughs> this uh this, this relationship, we were the best, we were the best of friends, right? We were the best of friends. As soon as we started dating, we, did, we had nothing to talk about. We couldn't communicate with each other. We didn't know how to talk to each other. It was, wow. it was the weirdest thing, right? And I'm just thinking, it's just like, how can we not communicate with each other? We're, we're good friends. We know each other. We know all about each other, but for whatever reason, we just, we just didn't work. So for two, after two weeks, we're like, this is dumb. This is stupid. I, you know, we're just going to be friends. So, and, and, I say that just because that communication level was so vital to a relationship. Obviously, with every relationship, obviously, relationship with your marriage and how communication is so crucial to the to the cultivation of a relationship. And I think of prayer is the same way. A couple months ago, somebody challenged me to um, in my devotions to write out um, in a journal. Everything I'm talking, everything I'm thinking as I'm, as I'm studying, uh, my, uh, going through my couple verses in my devotions and it has changed the way I've really, um, gone about my devotions now, everything I'm literally talking, uh, is, you know, sometimes I'm talking out loud. Um, sometimes I'm just, I'm just, just pouring, just hammering away on the computer on my, uh, on my keyboard. Uh, typing out questions of God, why, why did you do this? Why, you know, I'm, I'm actually talking these things out. It's not a, uh, it's a Bible study, but at the same time, it's a prayer. It's a, it's it's a, it's a 20 minute prayer that I'm just hammering out, hashing out this, these couple of script, pieces of scripture with, with, with my father. And it's been incredibly enlightening to me. It's been incredibly encouraging to me and it's helped me grow in my relationship. And it starts with, the idea of prayer when i start out my devotions i start out with prayer and then i just it feels like it's a continuation of the prayer as i'm hammering out my thoughts and and feelings um almost wrestling with 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 what's god trying to teach me asking questions asking stupid questions no doubt and just and just being open just being honest just being just saying the, help me understand, you know, be, being as, as laying it all out there because honesty is not gonna, <laughs> honesty is gonna not, you know, not gonna keep you from uh, keep you from from getting to know Christ more because it, it's it's something I just you, you've got to be able to open yourself up to, and so I can't. You know, I'm looking forward to this uh, topic and hearing your, your guys' thoughts on prayer, but um, definitely something that as um, as I've grown in my faith. Has has no doubt helped me exponentially in my relationship with Christ.
0: That's good. It, Don, I like how you kind of said it. Uh, it's not just to start the devotion, but it's kind of prayers throughout the the devotion of digging into the Word. It's a that's that constant, you know, question of interacting with it. it's It's not just to start it or close it, but it's part of it. That's
3: great. All right, Ryan. Yeah, I think for me, defining prayer, this, we talked about sports changing over our lifetime. I think the definition of prayer over my lifetime has changed quite a bit too. Mm. Um, you know, grow, growing up, you, my understanding was, okay, this is my chance to share what's on my heart with God, uh, my chance to talk to him and, um, you know, so he can see what, what I need, what I want. And as I've gotten older, I, I would define it more as this is allowing me to put my eyes, to fix my eyes on the one that I should be fixing my eyes on at all time. And prayer typically is the communication channel through which we do that. And like like Jeremy said earlier, what's great about it is even when I'm not praying, I know I have those other members of the Godhead who are praying for me and they're, they're interceding for me, which is... <laughs> yeah, we, we fall short in understanding exactly what that means, but that is encouraging as, as a believer. So just having that change in definition over my lifetime about what prayer is um, has, has been good. So it it goes from a Ryan centric um, communication channel to where it should be, a, a Christ centric, God-centric communication channel where I'm I, I'm hearing from him. My eyes are going to him, and I'm thinking about what his word says. Hopefully, the Holy Spirit is guiding me into um, things in my life that that are not specifically mentioned in the Bible, but ultimately drawing um, my will into God's will. And so that's what I think prayer is now to me and what I'm learning more and more. And then how it relates to sanctification. Um, I think I mentioned this in one of our topics related to eschatology. How do we live? And, And the phrase, watch and pray. Uh, we, we've seen that. And so it, it's almost like it's, it's a moment by moment situation. And so as we grow in our sanctification, I think we pray more. Our, our mindset will be prayer more and more as we, as we mature in our faith. And by the way, it is obeying command, right? First uh, Thessalonians 5, pray without ceasing. Boy, I, I certainly fall short of that. Uh, but hopefully in 10 years, I am praying more than I'm doing now. I, and I've I've had the opportunity to be around certain people, I, and I just love this about them, where their reflex reaction to something is okay. Let's pray. You know, mm-hmm. you you hear some just sad, uh, unexpected news. Let's pray. I, and and I'm not there yet, but I I I look look at those people and I say that that's how it should be. Um, mm-hmm. we we hear some, and by the way, that can be done if if there's a praise. That should be our our reflex knee-jerk reaction let's let's praise the lord let's pray thank him for what he has done and so i i think more and more as we work through our sanctification um i I think prayer is going to be more and more a part of our lives at least that that's how i'm understanding it in the bible and it will be a a, an obedience to commands in the new testament and so as don said this is a great privilege Um, this this is great not only has the creator of the universe um, decided to send his son to die for us on the cross, but then he he wants communication with us. He wants us looking to him, as Jeremy said, Abba, as our as our father. And um, it, I think it's pride that gets in the way of us of uh, of us doing it as often, and to the degree that we should. At least it is for me.
0: Yeah, no, some good thoughts there. I, I like I like that thought that maturity is kind of demonstrated through with a reflex to pray. Like you you just you're just going to him kind of what Jeremy was talking about, the initial conversation, but it continues, but just that, the way that we, that we, that we talk with God and it's the way we connect with him initially, at least, uh, you know, opening up our hearts. Um, yeah, just uh, very special, um, when I, when I look at that question, what is, uh, what is prayer? Um, I think it's, for me, I think it's dependence. Um, I think, I think prayer is dependence. And I think to the extent that we pray is, to the extent that we are dependent on Christ or that we trust Christ. And, you know, so much of our, so much of our, um, so much of it, all of our, um, you know, connection and relationship with God is built on trust and belief that God is who he says he is. And that in him, we are not going to have to pay for our sins or um, we have confidence that, that, that we are Christ's and even all the challenges and the craziness of this world is not going to overcome because greater is he, that is in you than he that is in the world. Um, so I think it's really for me, it's dependence, and that's tough because I struggle with that. I, I, I am very in. I am a very independent person. Um, don't like to express my dependence, and so uh, I think prayer is something that I've I've wrestled with in my uh, Christian journey. Interesting how you you kind of really called it out in a way I I wasn't expecting. Um, but it it links to um, it links to the um, the verse as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. Right. And so, you know, that childlike faith that, that connects us with the Lord is the way that we're challenged to walk in him. And I was listening to a a podcast series by Alistair Begg. So he's uh, at a church here in in the Cleveland area. And he was, he was doing a series on the armor of God, right. Very, we're very familiar with, uh, you know, Ephesians six and, you know, put on the whole armor and, and all those things. But but he didn't stop at the traditional you know, point where you, where you stop, or at least it called out to me. So if you go to Ephesians 6, and I'll just kind of read, you know, I won't read all the armor, but you guys know the armor, the helmet, the shoes, the, the shield of faith, the belt. Um, and then verse 17, take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then for about three verses, he goes on. It's not like a stop. It's a and Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Verse 19, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. And what was interesting... The series didn't just like stop and then, okay, now we're going to talk about prayer. Like the armor of God includes prayer. And in fact, it's almost like that capstone, like pray that all these things that we talked about, you know, would happen. And so for me, the link to sanctification is very critical. Um, it links to dependence, but it also links to, you know, all the the armor uh, of God as well. And so I think the challenge for, for us as believers is if we're not praying, we should question whether we're a believer at all. Um, I think that's, uh, I think that's something um that is uh that is th- that we need to wrestle with and i think as much as is being made nowadays of you know people being strong and you know in this okay we got to rise up and overcome and those types of things i think i think prayer is is, is such a different thing right because we're coming very needy very very uh very helpless to the throne and and i just want to share a clip there's a another another preacher who i've enjoyed recently his name is paul washer and he kind of he kind of challenges us that it's not it's not in the fact that, uh, that, we're, that we're too weak, uh, but it, it, in fact, the, the challenge with, with prayer and with uh, depending on God is that we're not, we don't recognize really how weak we are. And he, just, he sums it up, and I just kind of want to share that with you as we kind of close out uh, this episode.
3: Your problem is not, it's never that you're too weak. As a matter of fact, God, what He does in our life from the moment we're born again to the moment we die, as He's constantly working to create weakness in us. The problem is not that you're weak. The problem is that we don't know how weak we are. Because that weakness would drive us to prayer, as being truly incarnate drove our Savior to prayer.
0: So I think those are those are good words. As, as we as we delve into prayer, let's uh, let's let's be dependent on the One who uh, who gives us life and sustains us. Um, in in all manner of uh, of godliness and all manner of our lives. All right, that's a wrap on episode thirty eight. On this, the eighteenth day of July, year of our Lord twenty twenty one. This was six in the mix talking faith, family, sports, and politics. Find our episodes on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast content. Review us and leave a comment. Visit our Facebook page at Six in the Mix Podcast. And comment on what topics you'd like us to discuss. We are also on Twitter at six in the mix pod. Join us on our journey.